everyone. This is Live with Sam. I'm Sam, and I'm here with my mother to discover more of her secrets for cooking amazing meals using nothing but fruits, vegetables, grains, nuts, beans, and legumes. Mom, let's talk beans. Are you sure you want to? Yes, beans are delicious. But they give you such gas. Mom! You blow up like a balloon. Mom! The whole neighborhood knows when you've had okay, beans for okay. lunch. Okay, let's move on to vegetables. Why do you serve your family so many vegetables each day? I'm glad you asked that question, Sam. Vegetables are like nature's health food store. They contain so many nutrients and vitamins. There's not a pill, prescription, or packaged food on earth that can touch them. Totally healthy. Unfortunately, most people don't eat anywhere near enough vegetables each day. Then they get sick and wonder why. How about fruits? One word, antioxidants. What's that? Only the greatest cancer fighter known to man. When cancer is growing in your body, those cancer cells need oxygen to live and multiply. Antioxidants arrive at the cancer site and basically remove oxygen from those cells then they can't grow and multiply. Is eating fruit the only way to get these antioxidants into your body? Well, they're also available in beans, but I don't think you want to talk about beans. Yes, right. Let's not talk about beans. This is Live with Sam. Goodbye. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
Singing is such a great way to praise the Lord. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Now that you mention it, Andrew, I wonder why we are going. I, I think I'll go up ahead and ask you. Master, Andrew and I, <laughs> well, Master, we are curious as to the reason we left Jordan and are going to Galilee. A storm was gathering, Peter, and I wished to avoid it. A storm, Master? Between the disciples of John and you, my disciples, you had begun to quarrel and disagree. Discord and misapprehension always lead to the loss of precious souls. This, Peter, we must try to avoid, always. Did the master know that John's disciples and we had begun to disagree and quarrel? Oh, the hows and whys matter not, Peter. The important thing is to learn a lesson from the master's example of avoiding trouble. I wonder. You're always wondering something, Peter. What is it this time? Why did the master bring us this way through the center of Samaria instead of by way of the eastern road to Galilee? Well, the Samaritans are our bitter enemies. The master knows this, and surely he... Oh, but it's hot, and I'm thirsty. Uh, this noonday sun is hot, and we have had no water since this morning, so I suppose we're all thirsty, and... <laughs> the master is headed straight toward that Samaritan village. Why, he knows perfectly well that it's illegal for an Israelite to have anything to do with the Samaritans, except in an emergency, and... <laughs> I think I know why the Master goes this way. For, for drink and food. <laughs> we'll buy food from the Samaritans and drink at the famous well of Jacob. But, Master, what used to stop here? This is Jacob's well, all right, but it is deep, over a hundred feet. And we have neither bucket or rope to draw water. Peter, the master is weary, in need of rest and drink and food. Well, let us all go into the city and buy food. Except the master. He will stay here and rest. We shall be back shortly, master. Impulsive Peter. Always in the midst of everything. Whatever he does, he does with all his heart and soul. Hmm, Jacob's well. I don't see how he and his men dug it. It's so deep, so awfully deep. And the masonry at the top is still in perfect condition. And the bottom, it's, well, it's dug through solid rock. I have a drink of water? Oh, you are an Israelite. I'm a Samaritan. We are enemies, neither asking nor giving favors. How is it then that you ask of me a drink? If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. I... 
Will you say all of that again, please, in simple words? You marvel that I should ask of a Samaritan so simple a thing as a drink of water. Had you asked me, I would have given you to drink of the water of everlasting life. Oh, there is no water better than the water from Jacob's well. And no one is greater than Father Jacob, unless it be the coming Messiah. Thou art a thirsty traveler, wayworn and dusty, yet you speak of the water of everlasting life. Art thou greater than Father Jacob? Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Oh, I know, sir, for I have been drinking continually of it, and still keep on thirsting. But that's only natural. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But it shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I perceive full well, sir, that it is not water from Jacob's well that thou speakest of. Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither again to draw. Go, call thy husband, and come with him hither. I have no husband. Thou speakest truth, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. Sir, I, I... I had hoped to keep forever hidden these things, for I am ashamed of them. Yet they... I know they must be brought out in the open on the day of judgment. Sir, I... I perceive that thou art a prophet. And if thou be a prophet, surely you can give me instruction in many things that have troubled me in the past. Hoping to silence conviction, she spoke of points of religious controversy. Patiently, Jesus permitted her to lead the conversation whither she would. Meanwhile, he watched for the opportunity of again bringing truth home to her receptive heart. Will you admit that the temple on Mount Gerizim, though at the moment destroyed by our enemies, is the proper and true place of worship? The hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Yes, sir. Do we Samaritans worship aright, or do the Israelites? Salvation is of the Israelites. For unto the Israelites hath the Father declared the great truths of redemption, and from among them shall the Messiah appear. Not by seeking a holy mountain or a sacred temple are men brought into communion with heaven. In order to serve God aright, we must be born of his Holy Spirit. Never before have I heard such simple yet great truths. Thou knowest of my sins, yet thou hast spoken no word of condemnation. I feel that thou art... that thou art my friend. I... well... In my mind, sir, and from the scriptures, I know that the Messiah cometh. When he does come, he will tell us all things. I that speak unto thee am he. As the woman heard these words, faith and joy sprang up in her heart. She accepted the wonderful announcement from the lips of Jesus, the divine teacher. Meanwhile, the disciples had returned from purchasing food. But they stood a short distance away, surprised that the master was talking to a Samaritan woman. Soon she took leave of Jesus, happy in the knowledge that the Messiah, called Christ, had come. Should we approach the master now? He is silent, absorbed in deep meditation. His face is beaming with light from heaven. We shouldn't interrupt, yet 
Well, he must drink and eat, for he is faint and weary, and it is our duty to see to his needs. Come. Master, here is the food we brought. Eat of it and drink. I have meat to eat that you know not of. Someone else brought you food? My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to accomplish his work. That woman, she left her pot of water here. <laughs> she must have been in an awfully big hurry. She learned the source of living water and hastens back to the city to impart the glad tidings to others. She realizes that the great work must not be delayed, that now is the day of salvation. I have just returned from Jacob's well. There I saw and talked with the Messiah. He told me all things that ever I did. Oh, he is the Christ. Come, come and see him and learn of him. Jesus and his disciples at the well saw a great multitude coming from Samaria toward them between the fields of grain, the young and tender green stalks touched by the golden sunlight. Pointing to the scene, Jesus said to his disciples, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look, the harvest is already white for reaping. and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. The Tattoo by Mary Louise Kitson. It was really hard to imagine a lady with a tattoo, but Ruth had one, and to my youthful eyes, it was an amazing thing indeed. Ruth was an elderly woman. Her son was a businessman in Hartford, the capital city of my home state of Connecticut. He had arranged to bring his mother to the United States from Europe. She had not fitted into his lifestyle, however, so he did what he considered his duty in a roundabout way. He purchased a small home for her in my small hometown. In the beginning, I didn't pay very much attention to Ruth. What was there to notice? She fussed about her house and yard contentedly, but did not go out of her way to make friends. Not that she was unpleasant. She'd smile and speak in a quiet manner when spoken to. However, she made no effort to be close to anyone. Then one day I came home from school riding my bike and thinking happy thoughts, and Ruth entered my life. It was one of those days when you feel good about everything. I had much to be glad about. World War II was newly over, and my favorite cousin would soon be home from overseas duty. I was convinced that the world would now live in peace forever. I turned into my yard, and Mama looked up from her garden. Honey, Ruth wants to know if you'll run some errands for her each week. She'd pay you two dollars. Two dollars? It seemed like a lot of money to me. I was already mentally spending it. Sure, I said, when do I start? As soon as you freshen up, Mama told me, then you can go talk to Ruth. Ruth motioned me into her kitchen. It didn't look anything like our kitchen at home. Our kitchen was always in a state of disorder. Ruth's kitchen was so neat it was almost as though no one lived there. Do you promise to be a girl I can rely on? The elderly lady asked me. I nodded. I hope so. I don't have money to waste, though I will pay you fairly as long as you do your best. 
I need a few things from the store. Here's the list and money. The list had but a few items. I made a quick trip to the neighborhood grocery, picked up the things, paid for them, and put the bag in the basket of my bike. When I carried the bag into the kitchen, Ruth began immediately to put the groceries away. That's when I noticed the tattoo. It was on her arm, just above her hand. I wondered what kind of lady would have a tattoo. The only tattoos I'd seen before were on Mike, the man my dad hired when he needed some heavy work done or something hauled away, and on a sailor who had come home on leave once with my cousin. I thought a tattoo was a perfectly dreadful thing, and on a woman, a nice old lady? I confided my doubts about Ruth the next day to my best friend, Gracie. Maybe she used to be in a circus, Gracie suggested. Not with just one tattoo, I said. Still, none of the ladies we know would ever have a tattoo. It just isn't right. We've never seen her in church, Gracie commented. Maybe we should invite her to come. Perhaps she needs to find Jesus. That sounded like a really good idea to me. I said I'd ask Ruth the very next time I saw her. The next afternoon, my opportunity came. Ruth gave a long look. I have my own faith, she said quietly. I would hope you believe in allowing all people to have their own faith. Everyone has the right to attend the church of his or her choice, I stammered. I just thought, I will continue to worship in my own way, Ruth said firmly. I simply do not happen to share some of the views you have. The next day, Gracie and I discussed this situation. Ruth is always home when we go to church, Gracie pointed out. She's home every Sunday morning, too, so I think she doesn't actually go to church. Maybe she just worships God at home. Maybe we should slip some of those leaflets our church has into our mailbox. She might read them and decide to come to church, I said. Then I had second thoughts. She'd blame me, though. I'm the one who asked her about going to church. Gracie and I decided to let the matter rest for the time being. The weeks went by. Being normally curious, I tried to get a better look at the tattoo, but most of Ruth's dresses had long sleeves. I began to realize she was sensitive about her tattoo. Maybe she regretted getting it. Probably she'd been very young and made a mistake in judgment. Maybe this, maybe that. Then came Easter. I decided to show my belief in the risen Christ by taking Ruth a lily plant. She took the plant from me and looked very sad. I couldn't understand that. I understand that this is a very important time in your religion, she said, and I thank you for giving me this plant because of your happiness at this time. I, of all people, respect the right of all people to worship openly in their own way and to follow what they believe. I was puzzled. I don't understand, I told her. Ruth rolled up her sleeve. For the first time, I could clearly see her tattoo. It was a number, several numbers to be exact. Numbers? And then a feeling of horror struck me in the pit of my stomach. I was old enough to know what had been done to millions of Jewish people during the war. It had seemed too terrible to be true. I suddenly realized that my neighbor was Jewish and that she'd been a prisoner during the recent war. Child, many of my family died in concentration camps, she told me. How I survived is indeed a miracle. But survive I did, and I'm proud of my faith. I am as strong in my beliefs as you are in yours. It is important, my girl, that you stay firm in your faith while allowing all others to do the same. I took the arm with the tattoo and held it against my cheek. Now, you are a proud young woman, and that is good, Ruth said. You sit down, and we will share some freshly baked cookies and some milk, you and I. 
We sat across from each other at the table, an elderly Jewish woman and a young Christian girl sharing, and I wondered why people hate when loving gives us so much more. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. Podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.